Hey friends, Coach Shelby and Coach Christine welcoming you in and letting you know it's time for brunch quick bites edition where you can grab your movement and your miles with a side of smiles and take them on the run midday in the afternoon or even a late night snack attack. We love running. Clearly, you've seen us, you've seen the show, you know that it is our sport of choice. And we're seeing a whole boom of folks joining in, records being broken nearly every day at this point. From faster times to registration for events filling up pretty darn quickly, we wondered, as well as you might have, how did we get here? How did running kind of come to be the sport that we know today? So we are continuing on with our four-part series as we deep dive into the history of running. Don't worry, it's always going to have our brunch sparkle with some fun facts, some knowledge drops, and don't worry, you don't need a hall pass. You can raise your hand at any time with extra questions. But today we're tackling the 90s and the 2000s, the information age and globalization. Very official. And may I say, I think the 2000s and the 90s are pretty darn important. Well, I know they're pretty darn important for the world because we now have Coach <laughs> Shelby joining in. So, <laughs> But it's also a really exciting time where we really do get to see, like, this is where I feel like, while we may have had a bit of a slow roll through some of the previous decades or maybe even pre previous hundreds of years leading up to it, the 90s and the 2000s, like, really just was like a huge change in everything into today all the way through. So we'll be talking a lot about that in our next episode, but we're super excited to talk about 90s as well. So one of the things that I think is super cool is that we were able to kind of advance from a technology standpoint where it became a bit more affordable for folks to kind of be able to track all of their beautiful miles. Now, I think it was a little bit, there weren't quite as many um, sweaty selfies happening in the social media world yet, but it was starting. It was at that point, it was just getting going because of the internet. So I know you and I are both big fans of the internet, and I know you're actually a huge fan of online running communities. I am. And girl, can I get your MySpace? Yeah. <laughs> Do you still have a MySpace like hanging uh, around somewhere out there? Oh, I'm pretty sure there's a MySpace somewhere. Of now Googling it. Shelby. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I do love online running communities. And as we're getting into the 90s and the 2000s, we do see exactly that technology start taking over. Again, I remember in the 90s, the cell phones. Yes, they were bricks. But I remember my parents having one in the car for emergencies and it probably weighed the same as my water bottle as it does now. But again, there was a whole new realm of metrics coming into focus that, like you said, the average runner could now take advantage of. But we started seeing more people sharing their journeys online and the Internet became more of a thing. And I mean, really, before at this generation, it wasn't even in the realm of the same possibilities. Computers and the internet were used for, I mean, bare bones. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, we're, we're still on dial-up time, for sure, in the 90s until we get <laughs> into the 2000s. So you have to, like, show extra dedication to get online to be able to find the resources and information that you need. We're still kind of fumbling our way through it. 
Um, but there is access to more things than we would have had prior to, like training plans and people actually talking about, hey, did this, and we see this to this day, how did this training plan work for you? How did that training plan, how do you adjust this? Or I have a weird pain in my foot, what does it mean? So I think we started to see a little bit of that. I think that they was still, we have to go back to like the ASL and by that I mean like age, sex, location that used to run rampant in all of those chat rooms. So it <laughs> totally cracks me up. I can I, hear the dial up tone in my ear right now even though it's so not playing but it's one of those core memories Mm -hmm. that you never ever forget and really too we can't talk about the late 90s without saying about how that's when the couch to 5k program Mm -hmm. was developed by josh clark and people still use it use that same adaptation of it and it was made available to the masses and it's a catchy name i do have to hand it to him i i mean he trademarked it it's you know he was definitely smart nobody can actually create a couch to 5k plan at this point they have to be a bit more creative with their naming of it i do feel like it's was the advent of it feeling a bit more accessible for folks um even though there's a little bit of controversy as to whether or not it really truly is a couch to 5k program that's accessible for everyone or inclusive of everyone with the timing that it has that's a whole nother topic we we can definitely get into (laughs) if you guys want to get into that kind of a debate with us then join us on our our online running community at time for brunch on our facebook group or follow us on instagram with that said i am also excited which i think this is more of your jam but you had just gotten hatched so i don't know if it really played a huge part of like your love, but there was quite a bit, again, as we saw in previous decades, the 92 Barcelona Olympics really influencing people, getting them intrigued. I mean, there's not one time that I sit down to watch the Olympics that I don't get a little teared up and a little inspired. And though I know I will never grace the podium at the Olympics, I still feel like it shows dedication and it does put a little extra pep in my step. So clearly that seems to be the case. And that always helps the masses to aspire to a bit more in their lives. Now, coach, it was also when we saw the birth of the run Disney world that we currently know at this point. And that literally was January, 1994, featuring just 5,500 runners for their first marathon, which was called the Disney endurance series. I think they had that probably just at the expo at one given time in the bib like pickup line. That'd be awesome to be able to go back again. I wasn't even probably walking when that happened, but I was alive. So yes, I was hatched for that portion. The Olympics, not so much, as well as some of the other records. And again, I've been very transparent. If you would have talked to me about running in the 90s or even in the early 2000s, I would have given two flying birds about what you were talking about. Well, I mean, you were still a, you were still a kid in the '90s. Like, it, give yourself a little bit of grace there. There, are I wanted to go to NSYNC. Okay, yeah. I wanted some boy bands. I would run to that, but that was about the extent of it. We'll be talking about boy bands as well because we can't, <laughs> we definitely can't um, talk about the '90s without a little bit of that as well. But we did have some notable figures. Now, for me, this is probably where I start to like 
maybe pay a bit more attention and a bit more intrigued. For me, I was really inspired by Paula Radcliffe. And I'll never forget my first time doing an audio coached workout where they had her like come on to like, and they recorded her saying like, you can do it or something silly like that. I'm like, oh my God, Paula is talking to me. <laughs> so exciting. Um, but yeah, it's again, we saw some really great world records going down at this time. Now, I don't know that we saw the kind of world records that we're currently seeing but we'll talk about that more as well. And again, you're going to notice that most of the notable figures were not U.S. distance runners. Mm -hmm. We're really going to be talking about that more in our next episode. But there were a few notable figures other than Paula Radcliffe. Again, you were talking about Derek Redman from the Barcelona Olympics in 92 and the Ethiopian distance runner Haley Gepreslasi. I'm probably butchering that. I'm trying, people. I'm gonna be honest coach you're the best at it you're the best at it. i don't know how you do it but like you always seem to you, it sounds right in my ears so i'm going for it <laughs> but again various records and going into just the history it's hard to to not talk about all the amazing runners that were there but again we're also starting to see about hydration and fueling coming into play which did mm -hmm. aid at different performances sports drinks energy gels all of that starts to become a more mainstream and mm -hmm. again you're seeing nike in the running world more you're seeing gatorade even though gatorade was invented couple decades before that you're really seeing that intense popularity and you're starting to see a lot of the easy grab and go items that we experience today yeah which i mean again i think that they probably go hand in hand of course technology is making advances nutritional sciences is making advances all at the same time but also the fact that we're able to get on you know we can dial up wait 25 minutes while we do like our post run cool down um, and get into that ASL or that AOL chat room I should say and ask people like hey I like like I bonked at you know mile five of my 10k and people being able to disseminate that information so I think we're starting to see where crowdsourcing information is coming into play um you know i don't know if like i would have thought of googling quite yet at that point but maybe because well, i think that they were giving away i think that was when google was running their really big campaigns of like you could they were doing like a daily raffle giveaway for you to use their search engines fun fact they just celebrated their 25th anniversary did they really they I, did as we're recording this right now we are they are celebrating their 25th anniversary Nothing makes you feel quite so old as knowing that you're older than Google. But thanks, Coach. <laughs> I appreciate that. Oh, my gosh. I'm older than Google. I feel you so are. Like, I feel vintage anyway. <laughs> but we're also seeing about the running apparel changing again more in the moisture wicking, the cushioning and shoes that again, talking about technology advancements and sciences, all mm -hmm. of that starts becoming into play, which I can't help but think that's where we also saw the changes in times because in this we have the elite male marathoners going into about two hours and 10 minutes two hours and 20 minutes on the higher end that's a good jump from what we were seeing just a decade ago the amateur competitive males were at 230 to three hours and again we're seeing the same trend of it holding steady for the recreational learners four hours both male and female recreational runners that's where we're seeing that happy spot for the marathon but even the elite female marathoners saw an increase in time for two and a half to 240 
for theirs, competitive amateurs going down all the way to 315 on the upwards end of 345. And mm -hmm. while yes, accessibility definitely made a difference, I would put money on the fact that the scientific and the technological advancements played a bigger role. Absolutely. There, there's no doubt on that. I, I think it goes, I think for the elites getting faster, zero mm -hmm. doubt that is definitely the case. I still mm -hmm. wonder if that would play as much of a role for the recreational runner because I think it was still not quite, I mean, there was probably some recreational runners that had a lot of access to that, um, to more technology or being able to spend more uh, money on it, but I'm curious. We'll have to see. I, I do think that as we continue to go through these decades, we're going to see these costs go down. It becomes a little bit easier to access these things that may have at one time been totally out of our reach and was kind of just for the elites. But at this point, I'm super stoked, right? Because we're in the 90s. I'm living my best life. I think at that point, I'm actually living my Vida Loca, um, <laughs> a la Ricky Martin. But before we get into a little bit of the pop culture, I do want to talk about the fact that this is a super cool time, in my opinion, because we actually start to see a little bit of a crossover of actually movies that are dedicated to running. Now, there were some movies prior to this, of course, like Chariots of Fire in the early 80s. Uh, but this is the time that we start to see maybe some like biographical sports films. It's still it's still kind of it's not 100 percent. It's not quite as big of a range as you could find today if you were to Google some kind of running documentaries or running movies, but we're seeing Without Limits, where it's 1998, the biographical sports film about, of course, Steve Prefontaine on the heels of Prefontaine, which was 1997. It was an actual film. Then it was acted out by Jared Leto. Super big crush on him back in the day. Um, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't do it for me. I'm not, a, I'm not a Jared Leto fan. Sorry. He was, you had to have grown up in that time. You were too young. But um, in that Listen, movie, this is our poll of this episode, apparently. Jared but, Leto, yes, or Jared Leto, no? Jared Leto, now, no. But Jared Leto, Jared Leto now, so no. Sorry, it, you, it, you hit your peak. But in my so-called life, when he was this moody, and I think he maybe spoke three words in the entire season. Yeah, Jared Leto was, all, I, I think he might gravitate towards some of that moody kind of stuff back in the day, or bad boy energy. I don't know. But yes, Jared Leto in My So-Called Life, which is probably what got him that Prefontaine role. And then, of course, Endurance in 1999, the documentary film chronicling the life and running career of Haley. And please pronounce it for me, Coach. Is it Gabrielasi? Gabrielasi. You're so good. I mean, I, I I try to pronounce his name. Sometimes I get it. Sometimes I don't. But I'm I'm gonna give myself an A for effort. I think I think but A plus for effort, Coach, well, because thanks. I did I didn't even try. I was just like, Coach, shake it, please. Um, but I think we're also could we would you say it's fair to say that we're starting to really see? And as you mentioned already, like there's a dominance coming out of Ethiopia. Um, specifically in long distance or Kenya at this point is where we start to see more of that trend starting to happen. Ethiopian and Kenyan runners definitely have ruled the running scene for a very long time. And I think, again, as we start to get more of a global awareness in mm -hmm. the American running scene and keeping more track of the international competitors, I think that's where a big part of our total running history became more complete because they were always there 
Yeah. It's just the fact of, it, again, it's profitable. It's mainstream. Now we're going to be talking about it. So I do love how Steve Prefontaine go not one, but two films. I was just watching 10 Things I Hate About a You at this point. But that <laughs> but was Heath so Ledger. Iconic. All right. Second poll. Heath Ledger or Jared Leto? Heath well, that's Ledger not all fair. The way. It I is mean, fair. No, we have to go. We have to go like at there. I mean, Heath Ledger from what movie? Like, let's let's make hate about you. Oh, no, totally. Jared Leto. I mean, we're talking about 90s on both of them. I I feel I'm feeling overly confident, maybe. And that's scaring me. But I feel very confident that people are going to align with with my side of it. Because Jared Leto. Okay, well, listen, I feel like we lost each other. (laughs) We lost each other on that. I feel like talking about popular songs and popular bands in the 90s. We're just going to open up that divide even more. Oh, goodness. Okay, so this is what I was listening to in the 90s. I was listening to a lot of Biggie Smalls. East Coast rap is the best ever. I will definitely, I will I will battle you guys on this. I mean, like there, <laughs> there is West Coast, East Coast. I am ready for you. I've been practicing my entire life on this, but I was listening to a whole lot of the East Coast hip hop that was coming out around that time. But I also loved me the grunge scene. So a lot of Nirvana, Pearl Jam, TLC, Madonna. What were you listening to? coach i was listening to christina aguilera britney spears backstreet boys in sync which i'm still i will probably sell everything i own to be able to go see the bastard backs or i'm sorry in sync in concert um but you know i still i got down with some salt and pepper so i okay I still, a little smp I, action yeah and then Eminem, I would say towards the later nineties, mm-hmm. I was definitely jamming out. But I mean, again, I I grew up in such an eclectic household, music wise, mm-hmm. that well, that was my maybe first choice in the nineties. I was listening to a little bit of everything. Yeah, I I, I feel you on that. I, I really, and I know this will be debated. I personally, and I have a theory that any any music decade that comes from like your teens or like maybe your college yeah. size is usually going to be your the favorite decade for me of course it i i have a lot of affinity i mean like the fujis uh we could talk about this forever so let's not let's <laughs> let's move on let's move on over so popular hobbies beyond running cuz i guess people have to do cross training so we're seeing skateboarding still kind of dominating um we're seeing now where in the 80s there was more of roller skating we're starting to see inline skating becoming more popular I loved when we did this research that the actual term was called hobbies, home computing. (laughs) What is that? (laughs) We had a family computer growing up Mm -hmm. and I don't know where my dad found it, but it was badges, badges. We don't need no stinking badges. And it's a quote from a movie, but that was like the only memory I have of computers at home growing up. I'm fascinated. You're going to have to look that up for all of us because I have no, I've never heard that phrase. Um, Really? I don't think so. But you know what I did hear of uh, during the 90s quite a bit was as if and talk to the hand. Oh, yep. Talk to the hand because the face ain't listening. And I'm like doing the whole like head bob Um, Whatever loser was a big thing i'm doing again the yeah whole... the l on the forehead you have to all right it's yep. back yeah but i even did like what's the 411 when you actually had to call 411 oh my gosh you are taking it back my friend i do remember that now that you say and i think that for our younger listeners there was a whole phone line dedicated to actually calling to check on the weather and the time and i know that sounds 
crazy to you guys, but there was. But you know what the 411 is that I want to hear about is like, what were we snacking on back in the 90s? Oh, man. The snacks in the 90s were lit. Do you remember the Minute Maid juice bars? Yes. Literally. Those were so good. They still have them. I mean, it's literally just concentrated sugar. I'm Um, sure (laughs) you could find it. Fruit snacks were super popular, which I know, again, talk about fuel of choice uh rice crispy treats dunkaroos which you can still get dunkaroos my kid loves them okay i i could see where those would still be popular um why are we not talking about lunchables oh god lunchables the one thing that is horrendous it was like meal prep for the 90s and it was like the most disgusting rubber ham. But I, I love the pizzas. They still have Lunchables. Oh, I know they do. I'm not saying that they're not available. But, oh, do you, I, yeah, no. Are they still similar in like the consistency? I, I don't know, Christine. The last time I bought a Lunchable, I did not have my own debit card. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I have no idea. But even like toaster strudels, ring pops... I always wore it on my left hand so it looked like I was engaged. So I could just... Oh, my god! A little raspberry love. I was all about that Laffy Taffy life, and I think I probably actually... I'm, sh- <laughs> I'm sure you were about the Laffy Taffy life. Yeah, both the music and the actual um, little team sweet kind of treat there. Well, with that said, what you guys can clearly hear that we uh, we loved ourselves in the 90s as we continue to go through this. But I think it's really important that while there was a Y2K panic um, with that turning over of the calendar, the digital calendar, it came to fruition to be that it was not that big of a deal. But the 2000s were a big deal when it came to running. So coach, hit me with some of the biggest, best things that came out of the two, early 2000s, basically. I mean, the fact that I started growing up, but no, the emergence of global marathons and major city races Mm -hmm. in 2000s, it marked the expansion of the marathons and the major city races worldwide. Tokyo, Berlin, Chicago, they all started gaining more prominence, attracting more elite athletes, international participants. Again, talking about bringing that whole running community into focus. Um, And then, of course, the records. Notable yep. records include Haley Gibralassi's world record in the men's marathon in 2008, Paula Radcliffe, again, a world marathon record in uh, 2003. So we're talking about, again, getting bigger, getting better, getting faster, and more eyes on the sport. And I think let's talk about both those times where, yes, we have, we've seen advances in both the men's and women's marathon finishing times since then. These are still stellar times. Like this would still make you a competitive athlete in today's day and age. Like it's, I mean, you'd have to be working hard, but still incredible times. I think again, as we talk about our online running community and bringing the world together, basically that has a common interest that the impact of social media on the running community cannot be left behind. Mm -hmm. I think at this time too, is where we start to see a little foray of this specific content, where we're at right now, this platform that we're at with podcast. It's not what we know it to be today. Mm -hmm. It was just people kind of maybe like radio people getting involved with it. That's actually how I came to running was a C25K style podcast that somebody made setting it completely to hip hop. Um, And it was the only thing that would have probably really, really, really 
kept me in the game was because I looked forward every single time to get out there and listen to some of my favorite 90s hip hop that they set this podcast to. That's actually um, so, pretty cool. I didn't know that about you. Yeah, it was, it was. I freaking loved it. And I have to say it is not suitable for work. So this is the first time I'm going <laughs> to have to put a little explicit tag with my friends. So if you've got little ears, um, I'm going to say that the name of the website where I found it and was able to download it was called kiss my asphalt but take the fault off so uh, (laughs) I'm like sitting there I'm like she can just spell it it's okay yeah no yeah see I don't have a little one so I don't know I just knew that there was some way that I had to say it I've never spelt so good until after I had a child but no that makes a lot of sense because again like we talked about MySpace in the 90s but actually wasn't even founded till 2003 and then we had Facebook We have the evolution of Twitter, Instagram coming way later than that, and apps like Strava, running communities coming into fruition, blogs started getting really big, and online chat rooms. I mean, all of that just, it went literally from zero to 26.2 in no time. You're absolutely right. So it became like, I hate to say it this way, but it became where it was something that if you were lacking in inspiration or knowledge, there was no reason to at this point because mm-hmm. as long as you did have access to a computer if you and there's plenty of people who would go to their libraries and you had an interest in this you could find something you're not kidding on the blogs i think i read every possible blogger at that time because i i wanted to know more i had fallen so madly in love with the sport and i didn't know exactly i didn't have access to a lot of runners in my day-to-day life at that time um so yeah it was absolutely so fascinating and being able to connect with somebody from across time zones but that's still right. just as obsessed as you are about all of this and again i'm at this point i'm still not a runner i don't go i don't become a runner until our next quick bites okay so okay this is still i'm not even in this and this is where our our age difference does now, come in i am curious though so you're not quite yet a runner but by yeah. the way you did come to running i think a decade earlier than i did in terms of your life so we yeah. may okay so you're not still a runner but you've Mm-mm. always been a fan of the olympics i feel like right yeah i always loved watching the olympics as a kid it was something I think as funny as it is to to go down into the uh, psychiatric part to analyze my brain, I think I really did love sports. Mm-hmm. I just was never in that fitting mold of what sports and athletes looked like. Talking about a whole change in the early 2000s, we still were seeing like the Kate Mosses of the world. We were seeing the teeny tiny itty bitty runners. Mm-hmm. There wasn't the movement that it is today. So if you didn't get started and been born and bred for running, then you really weren't exploring it the same. There is no kidding on that, but there is some silver linings to the 2000s in terms of that. We're gonna talk about it in just a second. We're gonna talk about the running gear and hydration feeling first, which again, not like a huge difference from the 90s because we're still seeing more electrolytes um, drinks. We're seeing more energy gels. We're seeing them during long, people using them more during their runs and at races because they become big sponsorship opportunities, of course. So it, it continues to be just more accessible, more choices, I think is what we would be looking at during the 2000s. But we're still seeing advancements in our technology. They're continuing to evolve. They are really realizing that there is not one size fits all on the shoe stability, the cushioning, on materials. Um, They are in those labs 
hatching away their potions to make our shoes magical, <laughs> even though we already think they're magical. We are seeing GPS watches become more affordable. I'm never going to forget the first GPS watch that I had. It was actually given to me from my employer. I cried. I, I literally Aww. cried. I was just so because I would have never been able to afford it at the time because although it was a more affordable, it was out of my specific pay grade at that point. And to have right. my employer do that for me because they knew that I had fallen so madly in love with this sport, it literally just was so incredible for me. Again, um, early 2000s, we're talking about cell phones are just becoming more of a mainstream thing that everybody more or less had one. Home computers. So again, the GPS, yeah. like you had your GPS fixed in your car. So right. to have it in the watch in the 90s and in the early 2000s, we're saying it's more affordable. It still wasn't even what it was today. By saying You're more right. affordable, we're still looking at the bare bones of what would be considered today was still running, <laughs> pun intended, six, $8,000. I do have a question. I do want to know because every single time I did turn on my GPS watch um, at that time, I would put my arm up towards the sky, hoping that the satellite would ping it quicker so it would find I used to be in the directions with your GPS for your car. Okay, I was what I was wondering, did I just make that up in my head or is no, that actually that a was a thing. They said you had to be outside without any barriers. And yeah, you would look like the Statue of Liberty holding that thing up trying to gain signal. So see, I was always doing warm-ups. I was just focusing on <laughs> upper body a little bit there. So um, yeah, I think that there's a lot of that. I also had the iPod Shuffle um, because again, that was a little bit more affordable than the full-on iPod. So it had limited amount of music, but sufficient And you could enough. bring it on the run. <laughs> Literally, that was perfect. And I'll never forget when my first iPod Shuffle died and I thought that I would never be able to run another step because I could clearly at that point not go out without music or something <laughs> in my ear but anyway it's, it's still fun to talk about that of course but also this is where I get really excited about the marathon finishing times and I'm gonna let you lead with some of the elite stuff and then I mm -hmm. want to bring it in for the recreational people so we see a pretty substantial jump because again to non-runners five minutes doesn't seem all that impressive but five minutes is heck of impressive, especially at the elite level. So elite male marathoners were going about two hours, five minutes, two hours, 10 minutes mm -hmm. to where, again, we're going to talk about it. But even today, that's not as favorable. The uh, pro amateurs, 230 to three hours, male runners on the recreational side, again, that four hours, it's it's that home spot. This is where they live, to quote a little bit of an early 2000s movie, Hitch. Um, and then the elite women crushing it at two hours, 20 minutes, two hours and 25 minutes. The pro-am women, three, three and a half. Yeah. And now we're seeing, though, in the women's side, a little something different. I know. And this is what I'm so excited about. I know you're going to be excited about it as well. So this is where we start to see the times averaging for female runners recreationally popping up to about four to five hours. Now, prior to this, we were seeing the finishing times around four hours for the most part. Now, let, let's be honest. There's always going to be outliers on all of these stats mm -hmm. that we've put out and they're just kind of like an average accumulation. But what I love about the fact that we're seeing the five hours is while we started in the entry of this series about we're seeing records being broken on some of the fastest times ever seen before or definitely on record. What we're also seeing is now because of this advent of the social technology and the accessibility of all of the different um, 
just inclusion of the sport, you're seeing women say, hey, wait, I, I can tackle this. Like, I don't know how I'm going to fit it in between, you know, momming and careering and all of the other things that I do. But this is important to me and I'm going to tackle this marathon distance. So we start to see where there's the tide starts to turn, where we're seeing more women actually tackling the marathon distance, which, yes, it does bring the average time um, a little bit closer to that five hour side. And that is Awesome. We're anything but average anyway. So what does it even matter? But yeah, we, and again, we saw a really big power shift in the early 2000s to where in the 90s, I feel diet culture is always a thing. This podcast Mm -hmm. is not about diet culture, but we can't really have that conversation to where in the 90s, it was all about that slim fast, the special K diet, the, all these, all these specialty diets. Coach, how do you remember these? Because you literally just said that. I'll never forget This toxic diet culture (laughs) went deep, my friends. I'll never forget the slim fast shakes now that you mentioned it. I I had forgotten it, but now that you brought it back, you have totally reminded me of always feeling hungry and having to use the bathroom. So slim fast shakes will never be a sponsor of ours. But yeah, I'm so glad we've gotten past those times. And I think Weight Watchers specifically was gaining a lot more popularity. And I think they were founded in the 60s. Mm-hmm. They've been around for some time. But I feel like in the 2000s, they really started taking off more. And while Likely they have their Oprah. downfalls. Yeah. Did they have well, Oprah as a sponsor at that point? I don't know if she was a sponsor yet, but okay. I definitely do believe while there are some not as savory things about Weight Watchers, overall, it was a healthier option than what had previously been there. So women were actually eating and having that little pride and taking care of themselves. And it wasn't all about being frail. Yeah, I I would agree. I actually think that it's definitely uh, of all of the different, it's sure beats slim fast. That's for sure. Okay. So we know that now that we mentioned Oprah and her tackling her own marathon distance. So again, we're seeing that it's more accessible all the way around and we see more women bringing themselves to the sport and saying, yeah, I can do this. I can tote that start line. What's kind of inspiring women to do that? I think I have to say that it's the fact that while we saw a little bit in the 90s where we're seeing more movies, um, whether they're easier to access online or maybe we are going to the movie theater or maybe they're playing on, I don't know, is this Netflix at this point is probably the DVD. But um, we see more movies. And mm-hmm. we've talked about Run Fat Boy Run, which again talks a little bit about the diet culture, where he, of course, uh, started his whole running to gain the love of his ex fiance and get in shape. But what I think is better than that is that we start to see more of like running the Sahara, where it's about ultra running. Ultra Marathon Man on the heels of the success of his book comes out with a documentary, Spirit of the Marathon, the very same reason where I became obsessed with having to run Chicago. Prior to that, I had no idea what a marathon was, why anybody would want to run that far, that it was possible or that it would be something that I could make happen. But the fact that they followed regular runners, along with elites, of course, but regular runners, I thought, why not me? So I have to say that these are definitely things that I think really played into the rampant popularity of running. And then you're seeing literature. Yeah, I about to say books. So many of these titles are still relevant today. First and foremost, Born to Run by Christopher McDougall. I mean, again, classic. If you go through any group right now, on right. the face space, yep. you're going to see space. that 
completely be full on, always recommended. Um, Marathon, The Ultimate Training Guide by Hal Higdon. Again, a staple name in the running world, in the mm-hmm. running community. I, again, was not reading these books, but I've heard about uh, what I talk about when I talk about running by Haruki Murakami. I think you would love that book. I probably would. I mean, it's a running book. I'm probably going to love all of these. But again, kind of that reflective running journey now that Mm -hmm. we've had some decades behind it, Mm -hmm. it really starts to, to kind of go into the history. Yeah. I mean, and again, we're starting to see even distance beyond the marathon bringing, um, at the forefront. So we hear more about cross country with running with the buffaloes all the way up to those ultra marathons with Dean Carnazes. Carnazes. How do I pronounce his name, coach? Carnazes. Carnazes. Okay. Well, I've loved him. I like how you ask me. It's like. (laughs) I I love him. I love all of his books have to this day still do not know how to pronounce his name. And I just call him ultra marathon man. And I think that's okay. Except when you're happily married, Mm, your significant other may not really love the fact that you're talking about obsessively about an man that you've called ultra marathon man just not good for the ego so don't do that but let's talk about your favorite what would have been on your ipod shuffle oh my god all of these songs were on (laughs) my so britney spears again the toxic was huge the killers mr Brightside. i officially had like a british accent singing that song beyonce black eyed peas shakira you know i love about my hips don't lie and i mean I feel like these songs gonna, are still on my Spotify I was about playlist. To say, I'm, like, I'm not even going to play right now. All of these, I think, are on my playlist. And Green Day. Oh, yeah. I went through some moody Green Day in my goth days. And oh, the Boulevard of Broken Dreams. Mm-hmm. And in my young youth, I was so broken and disheveled on that Broken Dreams Boulevard. Aw, <laughs> you, you poor thing. My what pencil about- dropped. Oh. What we're also seeing too is because the advent of technology is that people are also getting in touch with more like indie bands. So there's a lot of that hitting people's playlist and maybe like finding music for every mood to help you get laced up. So coach, I know that you're pretty infamous for your playlist spanning the different wide ranges of your moods from your Zen shower list all the way to like your angry run kind of playlist. So we see that actually being more of a possibility. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to get into legalities of people downloading things at that point. So let's move (laughs) on from that. Um, I never, for the record, truth bomb. I never downloaded anything. I bought all my songs because as a kid, I was terrified. You actually watched the, uh, the little warning labels before movies as well? Yes, I did. Okay. So piracy is definitely a thing. I can honestly say though, that, um, I didn't, I, I couldn't figure out how to do it or I probably would have. So <laughs> there, that's where like my inadequacies with technology at that point in time was probably very beneficial. So what are we saying? Like at that point, when you are checking out my playlist or I'm checking out your playlist, is there some popular sayings from that time that we probably still use today? Chillax. Yeah. You need to chillax. Is that a bad? Like, why Why can't we talk about chillaxing still? I mean, I still say it sketchy. I still say um, biatch. Yeah, I've been <laughs> saying dog since the probably the 90s. But oh, skillet, yeah, I've definitely been saying home split for some time. But we see it still kind of in the lexicon. Peeps, how can you not talk about peeps? <laughs> and I not mean, the little sugary kind. What about fetch? I mean, did you try uh, to make fetch happen? I'm still working on Shufi happening. So one one thing at a time for me. Once we get past Shufi, maybe I'll bring back Fetch. We'll see. 
<laughs> there are some good ones, though. I feel like sick. Like, that's sick. I love that this is the time where we start to see more of what we use in our everyday slang, like LOL and BBR. No, BRB. <laughs> we can't even get our slang right. I'm literally typing in my head. Um, so I think that that's one of the really cool things as well is like we actually see our lexicon 100% changing from a need to have a bit more brevity when we are texting people or communicating on social media. So the this shorthand. is definitely, yep. So we're starting to see a bit more shorthand. Of course, as always, movies are going to play a big, big um influence as to the things that we speak like you said making fetch happen but let's say that i'm gonna go ahead and have a movie night with mean girls what kind of snacks are we bringing to this slumber party when i looked it up do you remember the hershey kisses that were like hard-coated candied it was basically no. like a hershey kiss button m&m type of thing oh they were I, so good and grips oh, i didn't like I, grips but i loved the cheese balls I saw I them the other day balls. and I had to resist yeah. getting mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. And then Lunchables started coming out with the dessert variety. So they had the brownie, like that really artificially caked together brownie. You're okay. looking at me like you did not have any of this. I did not have any of this. So I'm starting to wonder if there is a correlation to me not knowing about these things, because at this point is when I am starting to get much more focused on my running and wanting to feel a bit better. And again, no judgment around any of these things. It's just a matter of... I that didn't. time period. Yeah, I just honestly, I had dipped out of it, except for Jello Pudding Pops, because while they definitely came into play beforehand, I know that they had a resurgence of popularity during that time, and you cannot realist, resist a Jello Pudding Pop or can what you? About, what about Baby Bottle Pop? Baby Bottle Pop, Baby Bottle Pop. No, you never, okay. I love that you actually have little jingles in your head. I, I'm literally singing all of that, and that was the jingle that they, that they had. Mm -mm. I don't know any of these jingles. I I, I must have. I, I, clearly, I was reading Ultra Marathon Man, Born to Run, and listening to my iPod Shuffle. So I, and going I just, to the clubs. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So there I was, was going to homeroom. <laughs> there was a limited <laughs> amount of time that I could, um, I guess, get down with some of these snacks. So definitely, I start to lose touch of those snacks, and I'm curious as we continue to talk about snacks and, of course, all of the running world in our final episode coming on up next Wednesday if maybe I'll know some more of those snacks but friends for here and now we want to thank you so much for joining us on this adventure we cannot wait to really talk about all of the amazing things that are going out right here and now so we're going to ask you to join us again for quick bites at drops next week of course on Wednesday and come again to join us for time for brunch our long run edition that drops on Friday because regardless of when even what decade or where we're going to be serving up more miles with a side of fetching smiles. 